The Avengers have solo adventures. The Rolling Stones put out solo records. The Larry's Pop Pod presents Solo Pop with Chris Larry. Boom. Ba ba boom. Oh yeah. Boom. Ba ba boom. Say what? Boom. Ba ba boom. Cool, cool. Yeah. And welcome to the first ever Solo Pop on the Larry's Pop Pod. I'm Chris Larry. And don't you worry, don't you fret. Amelia is only temporarily gone. But as she is away at sleepaway camp, I thought I would grab the mic and talk about a couple of pop culture things that I've been listening to, watching, viewing, and mostly enjoying. I hope you like it. Maybe this will be a regular occurrence with me and Amelia. We shall see. But let's launch the inaugural voyage of the solo pop. Brooklyn bandanas, Brooklyn bandanas, get out and get one today. Brooklyn bandanas, Brooklyn bandanas, no time to waste the rain. You can wipe your tears if you're feeling blue. Avoid a redneck and attract one too. You can hail a cab, wave it in the air, put it in your back pocket, shake it year to year. You can wrap it, wear it, dab it, tie it, hold it, knot it, wave it, buy it. Brooklyn bandanas, Brooklyn bandanas, get out and get one today www.brooklynbananas.com to get yours today. All right, I'm going to be talking about two movies that I've seen recently, a concert I've been to, and then a couple other quick hitters of things that I've interested in, been loving, etc. I'm going to start in the world of the cinema and talk about two movies that are getting a lot of buzz right now. They're in the theaters. The first one is Will You Be My Neighbor, the documentary about Fred Rogers. And the other is Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You, a runaway hit this summer that um, I saw and very much enjoyed, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll also talk about me going to see Courtney Barnett live and some other odds and ends. But let's get after it with Will You Be My Neighbor, the Fred Rogers documentary. I just want to state this right at the beginning. For about 83% of me, I'm with conventional wisdom that says this is a sweet movie about a a very complicated man who cared deeply about youth development, children's television, education, and was really a giant of a kind of empathetic view and practice on life. And through majority of the film, that narrative is carried through. You see many examples. Tears were shed. And obviously, we need more of these stories, more of this kind of positive examples in the world in the state of the world right now, or maybe it always feels like you need these kinds of positive lights. I agree. I have a couple critiques and questions and issues with some of the rest of the movie, mostly about how it was made. I ended up not loving it. I, of course, love certain scenes, and I, and I grew to love Fred Rogers e- even more, but the director, Morgan Neville, who also uh, directed the documentary about backup singers, 20 Feet from Stardom, he, there's so much of a story packed into just a traditional documentary size feature film. And in the world of Netflix and, and uh, even ESPN and other documentary filmmakers that are starting to let more complex stories breathe, this felt squashed into this time allotment. So much so that many interesting or in different parts of his life go mentioned but wildly unexplored. You think about the relationship 
with his family, uh, his upbringing. Sometimes that's painted in kind of a hard and struggling way in terms of emotional and and physical illness. And then at other times it talks about being, you know, fairly wealthy and, and traditional and loving. So that's one thing. Another is it, it jumps around in some of the timeline. And so you do drive-bys on things like his adult series that he did for a while um, and other sort of slight pivots in his career. Uh, that felt out of, out of sequence to me in some ways that I, I just felt kind of took me out of the narrative. I think the most intense example of this is at what point the documentary uses a footage of Fred Rogers on Tom Schneider's Tomorrow Show and Tom Schneider asks him if he's gay, and he has a very kind of, are you square, man? You know, he's very kind of hep, late, late night talk show type of uh, vibe that Tom Schneider had. And it's a really awkward moment. None of this was set up. There really wasn't any kind of unpacking from that. It was just sort of laid there, like many different interesting points of his career, but that one really kind of fell flat, at least for me, that it was even introduced and then that followed up on and why. And so there was those kind of choices by uh, the filmmaker that I, I found confusing. Also, there is a creepiness factor about this story. And like I said, Morgan Neville hits on that a few times in different ways. Sometimes it's like an odd look at the camera or a pause that catches Fred Rogers in a certain look. And there is times... When this documentary reminded me of sort of these music ephemera documentaries about these kind of oddballs in rock and roll music and counterculture, whether it's the Crumb documentary or the one on Daniel, John, John, Daniel Johnson or Rocky Erickson or the one on Rodney Bingenheimer, you know, they, they were obviously kind of rock and roll, oddball, countercultural creations and people and characters. But... There's something about this documentary that fits along in with those others, the kind of this canon of this very intense look on on people that weren't always conventionally normal. Um, although Fred Rogers, in some ways, was was just sort of normal, almost to maximum size. So that the kind of the creepiness and the weirdness, and I'm not saying that's even a critique. I happen to that part of it actually was interesting to me, and, and I liked when the director played with that, but never really followed it uh, to any kind of conclusion or really had any statement to make about, about this. That said, there are heartwarming scenes. I definitely, you know, shed a few tears. And as, an, you know, someone trained and as an educator and loves to do education programs and really thinks that as a life mission and passion, it, it, it definitely spoke to me on many levels. So Would You Be My Neighbor... Definitely worth seeing. I definitely think um, there's messages in there that resonate very much in 2018. And let me know what you think. You know, maybe did you get some of the same creepy, weird vibes and out-of-sequence storytelling as I did? The next movie uh, I went and saw recently is Sorry to Bother You. Now, I know that you don't need my late-to-the-party hot take on a bunch of why this movie is amazing, it is. And I'm definitely not here to do spoilers. So this is not uh, this is not going to be a plot-heavy review. I'm going to really try to leave the movie in all of its kind of genre-bending, plot-twisting, psychedelic journey. So there's a couple things, though, that I did want to say about this movie that I really enjoyed, that I, I really loved, and really has me 
thinking about. First thing, Boots Riley, this movie looks and sounds fantastic. The the visual storytelling, the colors, the the sets, the set dressings, the attention to detail. I really loved the fact that probably in second or third viewing, there are all kinds of visual things to pick up on. Uh, there's one photograph that's featured regularly that where they're always in the the person in the in the photograph is in different positions, and there are a myriad of those. So I it just looks good. It looks very campy. It looks very like bright colors, sort of you know late night cinema drive-in look and feel is played with throughout, and it also pops. It's got a real pop art vibe. Also, Boots Riley's band, The Coup, does majority of the music. And there is this soundtrack is just so it has a driving energy beat and it also has a continuity. It does it feels like an album that's sort of being played along with the movie. And it really is interesting to see a filmmaker who's also composing and performing the music, how they weave that in almost as a, as its own character with its own voice. And it, it's both seamless and it really holds the narrative. I, I saw it with my friend Bart. And he was saying how the movie gave him a real Buffalo 66 vibe um, that was kind of disorienting. He weren't quite sure where and how you were in places. That made me remember that Vincent Gallo also composed and performed all of the music in Buffalo 66. And I think it has that same sort of almost kind of organic flow with the images and the scenes that you're, you're also watching. I've been loving... I've been loving the a couple of the tracks from the soundtrack and I've definitely put them in this playlist that I'll talk about a little bit at the end of this episode. So just how it looks and how it sounds, I found just exciting to be in that world in all those different senses. The satire and social commentary is sharp like the edge of a guillotine. It is specifically brutal in ways that are just jaw-dropping. There's one scene involving kind of perceptions of African Americans in rap that is very uncomfortable, yet hysterical, yet uh, disturbing to watch and almost feel a part of. I almost felt like I was partaking in that scene in a strange way. That was, I just thought, some just killer commentary about culture and music and cultural appropriation and all that stuff that the sort of mismatch of American culture is caught up in because of our even at times forced diversity or however you know the kind of cracked melting pot metaphor you want to make but he saves his his sharpest blows for capitalism basically and it's a very pro-labor it's a bit you know the Silicon Valley parody is is frightening the the commentary on code shifting it is just a fantastic movie the the things that i really loved about it too was that it had that schlock sci-fi element that kind of made it like a late night you know midnight movie type of vibe it had some crazy sci-fi fantasy plot twists it had that same, it knew that and was skewering and celebrating some of that visual language around that kind of filmmaking. You know, it's, it felt like a, a mashup of, of Black Mirror meets They Live meets Putney Swope in a post-Get Out uh, movie-going public and world. This movie, it, it, it's going to have cultural legs that go 
30, 40 years. I think it's that kind of, of, of movie, to be quite honest. And I can't, I actually can't wait to see it again. I've been thinking about that a lot and kind of going back and forth. And there's so many things that I think I only half understood or were even able to observe in the first go around. Let me join the chorus and say that you really should go see Sorry to Bother You in the theater. Um, I know that becomes overblown and usually is about big popcorn explosion superhero movies, but also I think it is almost more now about cultural moment movies that also know how to be big on a screen that you eat popcorn um, and are kind of have your your mind blown for the time that you're sitting in the theater, getting your your sixteen seventy five ticket price well well compensated in the art impact value index run don't walk you never know how long these movies are going to be in the theater just because of the their nature especially in summer with the endless array of blockbusters so don't sleep on it people go see it all right i'll be right back to talk courtney barnett live did you know you could listen to the larry's pop pot on spotify well you can just go on spotify and search the larry's pop pod in their podcast search. While you're there, check out volumes one through four of our Jam Jams Larry's Pop Pod playlist. There are many jams for you to enjoy. Well, now we're going to talk Courtney Barnett, who if you listen to our uh, Jam Jams 4 playlist episode, the one that also features the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie review, You'll remember that I'm all in on Courtney Barnett, especially her new album, Tell Me How You Really Feel. And she was playing as part of Celebrate Brooklyn in Prospect Park's 40th anniversary of doing a summer concert series and other cultural endeavors in that beautiful park, one of my favorite parks in the world. And so I had to go. Worthy cause, the money goes towards running the the Celebrate Brooklyn organization, etc., Let me say, in School of Rock, they tell you one great rock show can change the world. And, you know, that's obviously a little bit overblown. And happens very rarely. But a good rock show can also be uh, just an hour and a half of good old-fashioned human catharsis. And I have to say that seeing Courtney Barnett ripping through some of her, you know, her classics from a couple years ago, as well as most of the great tunes on her new album. In the summer, with the rain lightly coming down at dusk, with the sweet smell of summer in the air, it really felt like a moment. And her songs are so raw and emotional. I almost been thinking about it as, it's like millennial empathy grunge pop. You know, it, it, it just feels so externally and and the way that their emotions come through on the fast songs on the on the ballads on the slow dirges by the third song her and her band were off to the races ironically she opened with uh the first track on her album hopefulness hopefulness it's hard to say which honestly is my least favorite song on the album and she opened with it so it was kind of like the experience of I generally start the album on track two when I listen to it, if I'm listening to it start to finish. It went into the second song on the album, also in the set list, City Looks Pretty, a song I do really like, but it was also, it didn't have a ton of energy. And I have to admit, I had a little bit of that, uh-oh, is this just a walkthrough? It's a rainy night. They started everything a little early. It's just not feeling very uh, 
celebrate summer, I guess. And then Charity came on, which is just, it's the song we feature in Jam Jams 4. It's my personal song of the summer. I love the song. And from there, they were locked in. I love their four-person band um, where the guitarist keyboardist switches back and forth. I'm sorry, I don't have her name off the top of my head. I apologize. But she is a fantastic secret weapon, kind of jumping between a different couple different noisemakers and keyboards or coming out and laying down a second rhythm guitar track and letting Courtney kind of riff. And by the way, Courtney can riff. I was saying earlier about how there's such, you know, this kind of, Empath- there's so much empathy in living the feelings on your kind of outsides and, and just feeling the world. And it's still crusty and rocking. And the way that she plays guitar is so, with abandon, dirty, loose, carefree. I love to watch her play guitar. That was one of the reasons why I haven't seen Courtney Barnett before. That's why it was one of the reasons I was excited to see her, especially when it's just a couple blocks from my apartment, literally. Because she, when I saw her on Saturday Night Live and saw her on other YouTube clips, she plays with with just abandon that you don't see performers, especially in rock and roll, have that anymore. And I know it's because, you know, there's her influences, which are, you know, wide and and well-known. But she picks up the right things from from these rock and rollers. And that looseness and vulnerability that just oozes everywhere on the stage whether it's you know it's bathed in an angry red light or it's a a loosely strummed solo electric guitar or it's a full band arrangement of a real crunchy rock and roll tune yeah i had a couple moments where i was like you know this is why recent studies have shown that seeing live music on a regular basis makes people healthier and live long live longer you have this kind of catharsis to hear this music that you know and that you love and the performers take over a certain vibe and anyone who goes to live music even on a semi-regular basis knows that feeling that you're you're capturing or you're looking to capture every time you go out and see live music so i don't do it as much anymore for a variety of reasons so when i do see something i i want to be have a little mini blown away so i was very happy with Courtney Barnett. If you got a chance, go see her live. Check out her new record. I'm all in on Courtney Barnett. All right, I got three quick hitters I want to talk about as we uh, get up on out of here. And we would probably be rejoined by Ms. Amelia Larry, probably for some camp recap and some other stuff um, that I wanted to talk about really quick. One is a show on the on the Freeform Network, some part of ABC Disney, Thus, they have rights to the Marvel catalog. And much to my pleasant surprise, they resurrected a duo superhero team that I was obsessed with in middle school called Cloak and Dagger. Now, if you remember them from the 80s Marvel Comics line, they were brooding, runaways, cloak. You can go into different dark shadow dimensions inside his cloak, um, and he needs the light of dagger uh, and vice versa. So they have a very symbiotic relationship and it's in Hell's Kitchen, New York, and they're part of this runaway scene and they occasionally run across Daredevil or Spider-Man or these other kind of Hell's Angels, kind of bad old New York uh, Marvel universe. I didn't think these characters were ever coming back, but Freeform has resurrected them, made them in New Orleans. They are they are modern. This is not set in the 80s. It's, it's set very current. And it takes some different different things with the characters. Again, changes cities, and that 
Neurons part of it really is played with and and part of the makeup of the show. You know, the that network is geared towards teens. Um, so you definitely get a good amount of teen melodrama and it's shot and looks often like a, a you know, kind of a, a teen soap. But don't let that scare you off. They're doing a great job in character development. I think that the two leads do a really solid acting job on it. And the story, its story moves. And I'm I'm loving to see basically this origin story season about the, how they come together, you know, and, and act more like the cloak and dagger of the comic, if they ever do. But they are learning how to sort of fight and scheme and need each other, which is making me excited because that's the heart of the characters. So... Cloak and Dagger, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger on Freeform Network. Uh, the first season is still going, and I suggest finding it. The second thing I want to say is I got a pair of even wireless headphones. They had been doing a pop-up store in New York City, um, and I went to an event and checked out the pop-up store, and I got a pair of these headphones, and I have to say I haven't enjoyed music this much uh, in a very long time. Next to listening to records in terms of being just a pure pleasure sometimes listening on a computer or just bs ear pods just was a necessary evil to hear the songs when you're walking around but i put these even headphones on and it does this thing where it does a frequency ear test and kind of molds to your ears um and you know that that might sound like a lot of hullabaloo and who knows but i'm telling you it works on me i am hearing stuff in songs i listen to all the time like like it's the first time around. So I've been loving these even headphones and it really has been making me just love being in inside those big over the ear muff style sound explosion inside my brain. And the third thing that I want to talk about is actually kind of connected and that's been I've been really exploring a lot of new bands on Spotify. Now, it's a lot of stuff that connects to stuff that I've always liked or I in my head go, oh, it's, you know, it's good to see that the kind of music Apples and Stereo made is still, still has acolytes here in, in 2018. Or, you know, kind of dream pop and loud, loud guitar stuff and kind of demented alternative country. So I'm actually kind of excited that there's some fresh bands that have been picking up the mantra of those genres and putting out some really fun records. So I've been making a playlist on Spotify called New Stuff or New to Me Stuff or New Stuff to Me that I've been digging. I'll share the link here. Love for you to check it out if you got stuff to throw my way. It's it's definitely been fun kind of unearthing some new stuff or stuff like Ty Siegel that it you know, I know I love, but the guy releases so many albums that who can keep up. So there's also some stuff that I'm like, oh, I missed the last 13 albums in the last eight months from him. So there's also things like that. So look for that in the show notes. Let me just say this has been a lot of fun. I want to get out of here. Don't worry. Amelia Larry will be back for more The Larry's Pop Pod. But now we've got a new format, the solo pop. Bye-bye.